Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks, and this is a special episode that we recorded the other week at uh, the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival, uh, the live show with John Robbins, who was absolutely fantastic, as you will hear when you listen to this recording. Um, it was a really fun night. Thank you so much to everyone who came. Uh, you were a lovely crowd, and uh, yeah, it was just really fun to do it. So uh, yeah, thank you very much. We're going to have a little break after this one for a few weeks. Uh, we'll probably be back mid to late November I think with some more episodes we're just going to have a little rest take some time to regroup and get some more guests but hey listen if you're crying out for dicks or maybe you've just discovered us and you want more don't worry because we've got hundreds of them uh, in our back catalogue that you can listen to we've got people like Reginald D. Hunter Ellie White Harry Trevoldwin um, we've got Omid Jalili Ellis James we've got Russell Kane Izzy Sooty Tom Kerridge I mean there's there's some big names in there and they're all really good um so so check them out why don't you and if while you're doing it you fancy giving us a rating or a review that always is very much appreciated and makes a big difference for us so that would be great as well this podcast has been going for over five years now and we've got 1.5 million downloads which feels incredible and so I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of you who have listened over the years and subscribed and given us ratings and stuff so it really means a lot and it's 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 unbelievable we're we're very um I don't know what the word is, but we're very touched and honoured and grateful. And a big thank you, of course, to James Deacon, who started this podcast and let me take over it. So thank you, James, because you're a wonderful man. But now we've had some positivity. I think it's time to get on with the business of talking about some awful people and things with John Robbins as part of Desert Island Dicks Live at the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival. Here we go. Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island X Live! This is the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with only the worst things and worst people imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island X with us today is comedian, podcaster, broadcaster and much more besides the inimitable John Robbins. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Good. You ready to share your Desert Island dicks with the crew? The, the crew? The crowd? I'm... The crew crowd. I'm ready to share them with the crew and the crowd. Okay. I make no a differentiation between the audience and the staff. Okay. <laughs> I like to think at the beginning that the crowd, maybe over the course of this evening, you'll become our crew. Okay, something, something to aim for. Now, John, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, we're about to talk about the worst people and worst things you can imagine, and mm. that can be a negative experience for some. We all like to look after ourselves. I don't want to bring you down in any way, so I thought we'd start with... Uh, I bought you a little gift. Right. Um, so that if it gets too negative, you can think, oh, they're not all bad. Okay. Not like I can buy you off with anything. So uh, what I've got is a little, a little bag... Actually, I'll let you open the bag. Um, should I'll, we be I'll doing I'll... this in full view of the room? <laughs> should, we, should we be disappearing into a toilet cubicle and using euphemisms? Okay, I, I'm going to open the bag and I'll give you the contents of the bag. It's a little 50p piece there for you, John. And oh, it's that's not a 50p very nice. piece you can use, 
Uh, no, it's not an official 50p piece, so you could be at risk of being uh, prosecuted for forgery. Um, it is, however, uh, what I'm guessing is an unofficial Freddie Mercury 50p, um, which will take what's like a lower level of pride of place. <laughs> it'll, take, it'll be on my shelf. It will um, take up some space. It will, but also it's not the first unofficial queen coin I've got. <laughs> I've got a mixture of commemorative queen coins, both official and unofficial. Uh, checking they've spelt his name right and got his date of birth and death right. Yep, that all checks out. <laughs> um, yeah, and they've used the crest, which is copyrighted. So, um, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to contact their management. Okay. Hey, that's so cool. Thanks, man. Where did you get that from? Uh, a little, a little place I know named eBay. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Smashing stuff. Thanks very much. That, cool. that makes me feel you are going to report them after the recording. <laughs> but you know what happens outside of this room is none of my business. Once, once our contractual obligations have been fulfilled. Yes, which includes this being live streamed. Yeah. Sure. So, so the police could be coming right now. <laughs> the, the Queen Police. We better get started before they bust down the doors. Mm. Okay. Um, look. What, what, can I ask some questions surrounding the circumstances of the plane crash? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm, I've watched an awful lot of episodes of plane crash investigations okay. because I have a fear of flying. It didn't help. Um, if anything, made it a bit worse. Uh, but what sort of plane is it? Why is it crashed? I mean, I'm thinking you, your usual sort of Boeing 747 passenger. The usual Boeing 747 passenger, okay. Kind of, it's, it's going, just a technical fault, just a bad day for flying. Bad day for flying, right, okay. And everyone else has died, but I've survived. You and these three awful dicks that you're with. Ah, right. That's, that's the thing. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, you've survived, but alas, so have some other people. And uh, we're going to find out who those people are. The question is, did you find it an easy task whittling down your, your choice of, of dicks for the island? Well, the thing is, I was imagining myself on a desert island alone, thinking about who would be the worst people to be there, because I think I would do very well on a, a desert island, because in many ways, outside of events like this, my life is a kind of desert <laughs> island that I inhabit on my own, surviving, um, sometimes making my own items. <laughs> uh, shelter, warmth, food, uh, but actually the reality of being on an island with these three types of people, because I didn't want to choose like specific people, because I didn't want to be like negative about specific human beings, but there are examples of each of these people in my life who fulfill all the criteria, but I may or may not name names. Um, <laughs> And, I have to, and I've written them down because I want to get the wording right. So apologies <laughs> for, uh, for that. Okay, so well, me. we'll go through them and, and it'll be a mm. fun game for them to guess if that's who you're mm. talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, well, who are we going to kick it off with? Who's the first person you're stuck with? The first person I'm stuck with is someone who has been on an NLP success course. <laughs> Uh, the net result of this is that they touch your shoulder too much and use your first name a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, judging by the reaction, we've, we've all met them. We've yeah. All met them. Um, what's your experience with these people? 
Um, you, well, my experience is I'll be talking to someone and I will get like a little alarm bell will go and I'll be thinking, why is this conversation so creepy? <laughs> and why does it not feel like all the other conversations I've had to date? <laughs> and why do I feel like I'm going to look down and my trousers will have disappeared? <laughs> and they'll be like going... Uh, so, Dan, the thing is, Dan, when you've been in this game as long as I have, Dan... Uh, sorry, I don't know if I call you Dan, do you, Dan? Um, and uh, what you come to learn, Dan, uh, is a very important thing uh, that we do. And you're like, fuck, Matt, stop. What are you doing? You, I, will, I never really use someone's name because it's a quite, like... It's quite belittling in a way because it's a bit like being told off when your teacher or your parent goes, Daniel... <laughs> Daniel, can we just have a talk about what you've done? Where it, and it's a kind of way of them imposing themselves. It's slightly patronising. And the touching thing is like a sort of... You're there going, do you think this fools me? Do you think I'm now, because you've touched my shoulder and held onto my hand a bit too long when we shook hands, you also shook hands with two hands. <laughs> do you think I'm now going to, what, like invest in your company or something... And then you realise that for people like that, every conversation is like a transaction. And it's a bit like sort of... You know when you meet, like, a sex person? <laughs> whether male or female, but usually male. And you're like, oh, wow, every single thing you do, whether it's buying something from a shop or, you know, calling your insurance company or chatting to someone your brain is automatically trying to engineer like some kind of sexual outcome in a way, even if it's just for sort of like practice. And that sort of transactional way of being kind of freaks me out somewhat. Yeah. Like they've got a goal to the conversation and their, their brain is like, I'm going to achieve my goal. It's sort of quite a psychopathic way of thinking. Yeah, I agree. I think there's that thing of, you touched on it there, of just that, like, we can see what you're doing. It doesn't work. It's, it's not hypnosis if I'm just humouring you. You know, where they, okay, he, he keeps touching me and saying my name. That means he thinks I'm going to trust him after this. But, yeah. And also, most of us are going through a conversation going, God, I hope this person doesn't think I'm a complete dick. But we don't have to, like, do the weird invasion of personal space that they do as well. Yeah, and it's sort of like a conversation is like finding your way and learning as you go, whereas I think the, the sorts of people I'm talking about, and they're not many, but I have met them, and there's quite a few in comedy who, like, it's almost like you realise, oh, you're not doing this because you sort of love it and it's all you're good at or something that you've just sort of fallen in love with. You're doing it because it's a, it's a path, like you're getting promoted through a business... <laughs> Which, you know, is fine. People have goals and stuff. And, but I just find it weird to, to take a really corporate view of a, of a creative pursuit mm -hmm. or even have a, like, a corporate approach to chatting someone in a bar <laughs> is quite weird. Yeah. What if we could make this more corporate now? Wouldn't that be better? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Of course it wouldn't be. It feels like, from what little I know about NLP, it's very much... You know when people kind of go... Don't, don't bottle up your feelings and push them down forever. That's exactly what NLP is. It's sort of like, 
It's fine. Just don't think about it now. Just keep it all bottled up. Well, I don't know enough about it, and I'm sure it has very, very useful um, sort of applications, and I'm sure it does help people. But what I think when it's like you're you're doing it in a sort of 12 keys to success kind of how to make a million in a day kind of you know those books that sound like spam emails <laughs> um so that i would find that hard but i'm not sure how i wonder if like they would use it on the desert island to try and like wangle the the top bunk of the shelter or like get the get the best bit of fruit yeah. or get the or get the fishing rod or something mm. maybe that's maybe they would try and sort of um because you feel a bit like someone's trying to hypnotize you mm. or yeah but i think that's the thing like you're aware that people are doing it to you and you kind of at once don't want to make them feel bad by pointing it out but also at some point on the desert island when you're starving and you've lived off coconuts and raw fish for a few months you're kind of not going to really care that much, you know. Just, just stop touching my shoulder all the time. Why is the fish raw? Because <laughs> I'm bad at making fires. I right. don't know. In my head, I mean, I maybe see. you've got better scouting scouting credentials oh, than well, me. Oh, well, funny you should mention that. Um, yeah, may, may have spent five days on a Ray, Mir Ray Mears bushcraft course uh, in which we learnt fire from friction. Uh, may, may have received a distinction. Mm. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I mean, enjoy enjoy your sushi, um, but uh, the John Robbins Bar and Grill is open. <laughs> I used to work with a guy who practiced NLP, and he was widely regarded as the person who would definitely one day come in with a gun and kill us all. Because you would go up to him, and go, "Oh, sorry, mate. Do you mind just doing this?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah." It's like you're not too busy. He's like, "No, no, 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 not too busy." And like you could see him like smiling through gritted teeth, and he's like, "Cause it, it, I can get someone else to do it." No, 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 I'll do it. And you that, know, that doesn't sound like NLP. That sounds like someone you've overworked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. He he was big into it, and he just terrified. So I always associate that with this guy. And I mean, you know, he moved jobs, so he's going to go and kill another office somewhere. So it's, but it, it's I think fine. Someone who's doing the kind of course I'm thinking about you would have gone into that transaction and they would have said to you, well, the thing is, Dan, Dan, I could do this. I could do what you're asking me to do, and it's perfectly reasonable if you ask me to do it, Dan. However, can I just suggest a different way, a different approach, and you come out of it doing the thing and he's got your job. <laughs> and he's, like, driving your car with your wife. And then you, you look down and you've, you've signed an IOU for a million pounds. You're like, how did that happen? Oh, he touched my shoulder a lot and used my name. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, maybe he's just really bad at it. Maybe it was, like, <laughs> maybe it was just the entry level and he hadn't paid that enough be, to advance to the second level or something. That would be quite funny for like, someone who's done one of these courses but sort of got it wrong. So they just sort of walk into him and rugby tackle you, screaming <laughs> your name. <laughs> I think either way you cut it is going to be a really annoying and difficult person to be stuck on an island with. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair enough. Uh, who's going to be joining him? Who's your second person? Um, someone on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I think there would be the most appalling dissonance between the sort of faux... 
the faux, calming, reassuring tone of the NLP guy <laughs> and the sort of wired, chatty ideas um, of the cocaine man. They're, they're, they're both men, of course. Um, I've never really been uh, into drugs in any way. I uh, smoked a bit of... Smoke the odd doobie in my teens, for Christ's sake. Um, I'm not a robot. Uh, and uh, used the relaxing effects to stretch out um, a bad back. Uh, so I, I could even see, then see the potential for medicinal uses. Um, but I just always found it like, for me, the process of smoking, which I love smoking fags, was like something I wanted to do all the time. So when you smoked a doobie, it was like, well, I've just completely like smoked that spliff and now I'm... <laughs> and then the evening's kind of over. Whereas fags and booze, it's like the process. You could have a six-hour lash. If you sort of pace yourself, but you can't have like a six-hour doobie lash. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I kind of... And I got into certain types of music which were... Uh, like especially Frank Zappa, who, even though he sounds like a very psychedelic, sort of proggy musician at times, was had a really interesting like anti-drug message. And the thing you're told in school is don't do it because it's dangerous and it's illegal. Well, that makes you think, well, that sounds pretty sort of thing I would want to do. Whereas what Frank Zappa said is don't do it because it's boring and you're the dullest person in the room and you're lame and you're a dweeb. And then you're like oh, that's quite a good way of selling that to kids, selling, <laughs> selling the message, <laughs> selling like an anti-drugs message to kids. It's like, you're just the lamest person in the room. So then when I got to a place like, after uni, I guess in comedy to an extent when people were doing your class A's, I, what I didn't like about it, I felt uncomfortable around people who were on drugs because... I have nothing in common with someone in a state of bliss. <laughs> so, I don't really know what to talk about with someone who's being relentlessly positive. And also, I think the reason cocaine is the worst is because you have, not only are you in a, I don't know if it's a state of bliss necessarily, a state of confidence, but you have no shame and I have nothing in common with someone who is not feeling continual shame. <laughs> and a, a good example of the effect of that is when you're doing stand-up and there are drunk people in the audience heckling or being silly or talking, you can shame them into silence, whereas when someone is coked up, you can't. You can't get anywhere. It's, it is game over for the whole night because you can't reason with their own lack of confidence because a drunk heckler will eventually kind of turn in on themselves and realise the terrible thing they've done and sort of just sort of disappear, whereas someone on coke will just go on and on and on and on and on. So you can't... I can't... I, I just could, couldn't connect with them. Um, so the... Oh, and also I find the... the use of euphemistic language about drug-taking into adulthood incredibly lame <laughs> like someone I remember saying um, 
in a green room was like, oh, John, do you, uh, do you want a bit of naughty salt? <laughs> I said, what? What do you mean? And they said, you know, do you want a bit of, uh, bit of scoop? I said, what, what are you talking about? And they said, you know, you know what I'm talking about, a bit of Charlie. I was like, are you, are you trying to ask me if I want to take cocaine? And they said, yes. <laughs> I said, well, say, say, John, do you want to take cocaine? We're not like five years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're approaching middle age and you're sort of giggling about sort of disappearing off to a toilet cubicle, which also I find quite bleak. <laughs> and you're using childish language for an adult pursuit, which I find creepy. So just pre pre present me with a contract <laughs> in plain English that says, John Robbins, I would like to present you with some Class A cocaine. Had it tested. This is what it's made of. <laughs> Throughout the contract, it'll be referred to as cocaine. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I think I find lame what some people find quite cool, but whatever floats your boat, just don't float your boat to my island if you're coked up. <laughs> I think it's difficult as well, because in those conversations, you can't really say... Naughty salt. I mean, technically, all salt is a bit naughty in terms of, in terms of our arteries and stuff. We should be cutting down. Oh, well, I see what well, you mean that. Well, well, <laughs> well. I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. The war on salt has gone too far. <laughs> salt, you need salt. Oh, I'm a big Brings salt. out the flavour of ingredients. It's not, it shouldn't necessarily be a flavour in itself. I mean, the dream is that the amount of salt you add lifts. It lifts your tomatoes to a higher plane. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate. I think the thing is, if you... Of, of salt, to be clear. The good salt. Not the good shit. That's a different thing. Um, I think the... Temptation would be to say, oh, on an island, someone's coked up, they'll get shit done. But I think what you'll get is a l big burst of initial enthusiasm followed by a long speech about how it could be done differently and then just nothing. So it's not even going to be useful. Yeah, you, you're a bit harder on the uh, NLP choice than you are on the... Uh, <laughs> on the coke choice. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. You've also, in fairness, you've, you've, you've come up with a positive. What are you trying to tell us? No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you might think initially that that... But it, it won't be the case. I'm either, hey, we can spend all night, John, talking well, about the like, of drugs. I'm, I'm here for it. I'd, I'd say, right, we need to sort out a way of planting some, like, crops to harvest. They'd be like, yeah, 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 we can germinate. We can germinate. I once saw a YouTube video about how to, uh, how to make different plants from different plants. You can splice them together. We're going to splice them together. I'm going to splice together so many plants. Oh, God, I'm so excited by this idea. Have you ever spliced plants before? What's your favourite plant? If I went on Dragon's Head, it would be a plant splicer. I'd be a plant splicer. We could create uh, oranges that are half guava. We could create the guarange. And then we take it back. Yeah, I can see it now. It's all coming into place. Right, get over here. NLP guy, get over here. Get over here. Okay, there's three of us. We're going to form a partnership. We'll split it. Mm, 40, 30, 30. Is that right with you? And, you know, you feel like writing contracts in the sand. I mean, I always think when we're doing this exercise, it's nice to think about the interplay between the different people that you pick. And the idea of someone who's 
horrendously coked up, being touched relentlessly on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's going to happen with those two people? Just, mm. like, just stop fucking touching me all the time. Yeah. You know, just getting a bit shirty. I think, it, I mean, that's already a recipe for quite an uncomfortable environment. Mm. I mean, I don't know if we're assuming that on this island it'll eventually run out or if he's just always got coke. Well, because either is, scenario is pretty bad, really. If you have watched as many episodes of Border Force, both UK and Australia, <laughs> as I have, you will be familiar with the sheer volume of cocaine that you can fit inside a human body. <laughs> It is absolutely remarkable. <laughs> You're talking like, like 200 grand's worth. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to say sobering that thought. It's, it's, it's a drugs mule that you've been taken down with. So they've got enough for a long stretch. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so there's them, they're being prodded by the NLP person. They're not coming up with any good ideas, but you have to listen to the bad ideas because that's how it's going down. Who's going to be the third person joining this melange of dicks? A tardy dawdler who faffs about. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we've all met him, right? We've all met the tardy dawdler. I mean, straight away I'm thinking how that's going to get on with an LLP guy and somebody who's high as fuck on cocaine. Um, John, what, what's your thoughts on this? When, when you walk as fast as I do, with as much purpose and efficiency, you realise just how many people are tardy dawdlers who faff about. <laughs> in the UK right now. And I know um, the Prime Minister's and the Chancellor's economic policy has really turned things south, but I also think the tardy dawdlers who faff about have to put up their hands for their impact on UK PLC. <laughs> like, people who... You say, right, the taxi's, taxi's coming at quarter to seven. And they're like, OK. And you're like... You know, I just said the taxi's coming at quarter to seven, and it's 20 to seven. What, why aren't we already at a state of readiness? <laughs> and you're like, well, I've got five minutes. And you're like, yeah, but I, with a quick scan of what you're currently doing, have ascertained that the tasks you need to, to complete before the taxi comes are going to take 15 minutes. So how do you think you're going to... How are you going to travel through time, is my question. <laughs> Like, I was ready at six so that there would be, like, no stress for the taxi scenario, and you have yet to do your hair, you're still wearing the clothes you said... I think there was talk of a shower. <laughs> like, your stuff, you haven't even packed any stuff for the thing. And they're like, oh, God, why are you such a dick about it? I'm just, I'll do it. And the next thing you know, taxi's on a metre. It's seven. They're getting in the car and they're saying, what's the stress? Well, it's like, well, nothing for you, because you seem immune to feeling stress. <laughs> Where stress gets me up in the morning, it gets me places on time, it gets work done. How do you go through life like this? And why do you keep getting let off? <laughs> why are there no consequences in your world? You walk out of a tube station, just stand, immediately stand stock still and go, right, where are we? What are we up to, then? And you're like, people are trying to get fucking past you in an exit thoroughfare. <laughs> why didn't you check the route before you got... Why haven't you already memorised what direction we're leaving the tube station? You just fucking stood there like a cunt. 
John, chill out, John. God, John, we're so highly strung. Because I know where we're going! <laughs> and then they ride on your coattails, which I'll just follow you. You're like, no, actually. I want you to close your eyes and spin round 20 times, by which time I will have gone and we'll see who survives. And then somehow they fluke it and it's always fine. And they go to airports with their fucking passports and boarding passes falling out of their bag. And somehow it's always fine. Yeah, so that sort of person. <laughs> I mean, I... The thing is, we're on a desert island, and I think the problem is with these type of people, it doesn't matter how many of these things that you take away, because on a desert island, time will have no meaning, but they're still going to be fucking annoying. There will still be things that you will find where it's like... We, no, time doesn't have meaning, because if the rain's coming and you've got to build a shelter, time has more meaning than ever. <laughs> also, we've got to keep track of time for our own sanity. We need to fish, we need to, you know, wash, we need to keep sanitation, we need to grow stuff. They will be the worst. Also, I guarantee they have survived the plane crash because they turned up late, the plane <laughs> waited for them. Because they didn't pre-book their seats, they got allocated ones with extra legroom for free because they're the last ones to go when you pre-book in on EasyJet. That means they've got put on the back of the plane, which is statistically the safest part of the plane, which I've paid $7.99 to choose a seat at the back of the plane. All of the efficient people are at the front, they all die, and the person that the plane waited for just crashes, and then they like, just walk out completely fine. And I'm just thinking, all of the efficient people who have lost their lives, and you survive. <laughs> and like, somehow their bag, which is badly packed, and over the weight limit, but they've somehow been let off for that as well, has like bounced out of the plane and just fallen in front of them. And it's got all, the stu all their stuff in, whereas my bag, which is immaculately packed, <laughs> will have burst into flames before there was even a technical problem on the plane. Because a lithium battery that was in their bag that they're not legally allowed to have in the hold has jumped out of their bag during a bit of turbulence into my bag. Mine has burst into flames. Theirs is fine. Ugh. So I'm having to wear their clothes, which are all... <laughs> full of holes and smell damp because they don't know how to dry clothes efficiently. Uh, <laughs> we're off to a fine start, John. I mean, I mean, we haven't even thought about how the cocaine enthusiast is going to get on with the, the dawdler. Because, I mean, in a way, the cocaine enthusiast... Is, is the opposite of a dawdler, but he's also not really getting stuff done. You've got the NLP guy who's trying to persuade everyone to do things a certain way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fucking mess, John. I, I think that... But the sort of person I'm imagining will have sort of drifted through their life living with lots of kind of people who... They're just very... People who are late and faff and dawdle tend to be quite laid back. Um, so I reckon they'd probably be fine with the cocaine guy because it would remind them of, like, twitchy Nigel that they lived with at uni. <laughs> and they're fine with someone eating their food and fine with someone... They'll sort of... The, it, the cocaine guy and the NLP guy will sort of take advantage of them. But they won't really mind, because they never mind anything, because nothing matters. It's <laughs> <laughs> based on a number of people. <laughs> 
Okay, John, well, well look, you know, we've got a, a horrendous group of people joining you on the island right now, and already we're setting up for, like, a really uncomfortable experience. But mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Uh, well, my least favourite food would be bad meat. Bad meat. Um, Any particular animal? Well, I stopped eating meat about seven years ago, and people, when you tell them that for the first time, they often say, oh, don't you miss, don't you miss bacon sandwiches? Don't you miss sausages? Oh, I'd really miss steak. Don't you miss this? Don't you miss that? And what they never say is, oh, you never have to eat any bad meat ever again. <laughs> because I would say the percentage of meat that we eat that's, like, gross or, like, bad is, I'd say, about 75% of the time. Like, no one ever goes, oh, don't you miss the sort of slightly undercooked bacon you get in hotel buffets that's sort of silvery and green? <laughs> and you're like, no, well, of course not, because that's rank. Do you miss the slightly undercooked sausages in a hotel? I've got a specific problem with that. <laughs> Oh, don't you miss, like, the time you found a cow's tooth in that mince you bought? <laughs> don't you miss the sort of gristle that takes you by surprise and makes you think you've broken a tooth while you're eating? Don't you miss burgers that are slightly raw on the inside, and even though you don't get food poisoning, you spend the next day thinking you've got food poisoning, so you might as well have just had food poisoning. <laughs> you know, no one, ever, no one ever, like, thinks about that when they think about giving something up. Um, so the idea of being trapped on a desert island with badly cooked meat. I, the last meat I ever ate was a... Uh, I had been uh, spending a lot of time with uh, a vegan and I'd had about a week of eating all vegan food and I was, had a full Nando's uh, card. I used to have a loyalty card. I don't know if they still had it, have it now. But I'd, I'd earned enough for a full chicken. I thought, right... There was, a, there was a Nando's by my uh, tube station that I was living near, and I thought, as soon as I get off the tube, I'm going to Nando's and I'm going to have a full, like a full chicken. So I did that. I was eating the chicken, absolutely fine. Turned it over to work on the other side. And because it was a full chicken, it was like the whole carcass there. And I was like, oh, what's that? That looks a bit weird. What's that? On the rib cage. And I realised it was a tumour. And the chicken I was eating had obviously had cancer. And the rib cage had this enormous tumour on it. And I was like, okay. And something clicked in my head. It was like, all meat is flesh. Meat is actual flesh. It's a thing that exists and gets cancer. And suddenly, all these connections got made in my head. And I was like, oh, right, well, this is never happening again. And since then, I think that was eight years ago, maybe nine, I've only eaten meat twice, and that was by accident. One with, once with a badly labelled uh, collection of samosas uh, at, a, <laughs> at a cricket club. The lambs and the vegetable samosas were on, uh, were on the same... Uh, they, they were badly labelled. And once an incredibly embarrassing moment where I turned up at a gig and I uh, was backstage with a comedian I didn't know and a pizza arrived. And I was like, oh, great, uh, is that, are they for us? And I reached towards the pizza 
And the comedian said, oh, actually, I actually, bought that from one of the stands and got it sent over. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, 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 have some, have some. And I was like, no, 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 I feel really awkward. No, that's your piece. So he said, please, please, have some. So I took a slice, ate it, it had pepperoni on it, and I realised as soon as I bit into it, and then I spat it out, which to him must have seemed incredibly rude. Uh, so that aside, yeah, that was, that was me and meat done. So, yeah. bad meat Fair is my enough. food. My drink... This was VV tricky. <laughs> I have gone for, on the assumption it's going to be hot, because mm. it's in cans, I've gone for Budweiser. Yeah. yeah. Because I was just trying to think, I was thinking of like, because I hate, s people send me lots of beer, which is a nice problem to have, I'm well aware. <laughs> but because uh, these are sort of cool craft breweries, a lot of that beer is very, very, very strong. So I was sent a 15% beer, 550 mil can, right? And with the best will of the world, it was absolute dog shit. <laughs> I mean, it was like completely undrinkable. Yeah. However, I can imagine if you were sipping it out of like 200 mil or 100 mil thing, sharing it, fair enough. But anyway, it was just like, well, that was going down the sink. So there would be that. However, on a desert island, if you just wanted to get razzed, I'm sure you could get used to that for the payoff of getting quite good bang for your buck ABV-wise. <laughs> However, I think the thing with Budweiser or any kind of weak lager, and I don't drink lager and I hate the taste of lager anyway, the sheer amount of it you would have to get through in order to even feel the slightest bit relaxed would be torture. I think it would be torture. Yeah. And at sort of like 30 degrees. Yeah, I think a 30 degrees can of Budweiser. Also, because you've been on a plane, you'd have to drink lots of tiny ones as well. Yeah, you? lots you, of you tiny even have Budweiser. Satisfaction of drinking one long one. You'd have to just constantly be opened. The next day, you're surrounded by tiny cans. You feel like Gulliver. It's like, what am I, a giant? What's going on? There's fucking tiny cans everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a bad drink. You know, on, the, um, on the, the, the bottle of Budweiser, there's like a little banner around the, the neck of it. And if you've ever read that, it says, Budweiser, king of beers. And then it says, most beers would say something like, we only use the finest hops, barley and glacial water. Or what, you know, they'd, they'd talk up the ingredients. The first line of Budweiser says, we know of no other beer that costs as much to make. And you think, you're kind of aiming in the wrong direction there, lads. Yeah, someone's ripping you off. Yeah. So that's, you, that's a badly run business. Like, really? <laughs> because this tastes shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've said it's very expensive. But, like, I would never, like, if someone's favourite lager is Budweiser, I would never judge them because I just think you can't, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than someone who's kind of sniffy about drink or food you like or, or whatever you like because your taste by its very nature is subjective. But just for me, like, that would be the hardest thing to get through, I think, would be a case of 30 degrees... Budweiser. In time it would camp. be so, un so unpleasurable, but but I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to. I mean, I don't know how the other people on the island would get along with it, but I mean, I don't know. I think that 
Either way, it's just shit. I mean, it's, it's a bad drink. It's a bad drink, John. And it's a good choice. Bad meat and bad beer. So, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Well, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck. It only has two working settings. One is your least favorite film of all time, and the other is your least favorite song. What are they and why? Well, film-wise, I don't... I'm very, and anyone who has spent extended lengths of time with me will know, I have very little patience for spending my time watching stuff I know I'm not going to like. Great guy to be around. (laughs) So the idea of, like, committing to a two-hour film just for something to watch that I can tell I'm not going to enjoy, I just don't do it. Great guy to be around. (laughs) Um, So I haven't actually seen that many films that I've, like, really, really hated. I hated We Need to Talk About Kevin, but I'm aware it's a very well-made film. I just found it very frustrating to watch, so there are things to enjoy about it in terms of, like, its its construction and the acting and stuff. Um, I was going to pick... I wanted to pick an Adam Sandler film... Um, just because he's, his sort of output is so interesting in that it's mostly complete garbage, <laughs> but then with two or three exceptional sort of works of genius. So I was going to pick Jack and Jill, which I haven't seen, because I thought, well, it's probably the film that I just have absolutely zero interest in experiencing. But then I thought, well, that's just... There's like a million films like that. So I thought, well, what film by him would I like even less. And there's another film of his I haven't seen, (laughs) which every single person I know who has seen it has said to me, whatever you do, don't watch this film. (laughs) John, specifically. Everyone else will love it. It was amazing. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. But John, whatever you do, do not watch this film. And it's called Uncut Gems. (laughs) And I've not watched this film. And I will never watch this film because I would say 20 people who have told me not to watch this film. I have very, very small tolerance for people making bad decisions in films <laughs> because I'm solution-orientated. <laughs> so I will watch a film where the premise is like someone, you know, a, a suspicious flatmate moves in and there's a bit of a creepy tone in the... And they're like, what's going on with Jason? Why is he in his room all the time? And I'm like, just call, we'll call the police now. 
<laughs> Call the police now. The police will come round and they'll find out Jason is a serial killer and then, that, then we're all done. Five minute film, lovely job. <laughs> Roll credits, let's all go home. So, I've heard, from what I've heard, Uncut Gems is someone in a high state of anxiety making a series of bad decisions that means their life gets worse and worse and worse. I would not be able to watch it. I'm also aware that gambling plays an element of the story and I've had problems with gambling in a long time ago in my past. And I think the combination of a gambler making bad decisions would... I think I might die if I watched it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I couldn't... I don't think I'd go anywhere near that film. But I have heard it's very, very good. Well, it, it is very, very good. I've watched it and I really enjoyed it. But, I mean, enjoyed it in a way that... You know some things you watch and you think, that was fucking great. I'm never going to watch it ever again. You know, like, like, this is England. You think, this is perfect, it's brilliant. There's no way I'm ever going to be in the mood for that again, you know. And so when Uncut Gems came on Netflix or wherever, and I'd heard it was really good, and I started watching it quite late at night. I've got small children, so it was already a kind of, oh, God, should I start this? It's already half past nine. <laughs> and we started watching it, and it got to the point, I thought, oh, it's quite a long film. OK, I'm going I'm to stop it and resume it the next day. But I really enjoyed it, so I thought, oh, I can't even wait till tonight. I'm going to watch it on the way into work. So I watched the last 30 minutes. Like, it's so... T you know the end of Goodfellas? And have you seen Goodfellas? Yes, many and times. And it gets very tense towards the... It's kind of like that, but more so. And I ended up watching the last incredibly tense half an hour in the rush hour on the way into central London as I was being pushed onto tubes and it only heightened it. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This is the worst thing I could possibly... Like, this is, this is not a good place to watch this. And, again, it's one of those films that... That was, that was brilliant. And you know what? For someone who does a lot of very bad films, it's really nice to see Adam Sandler do this, like, great film. He should get an Oscar. It's wonderful. Never going to watch it again. And that, that's your last film on a desert island. I mean, it's, it's a horrendous choice, John. Thank you. Thank By you. By which I well, mean I'm, it's I'm a pleased. very good because, choice. Because there's, like, millions of bad films... So I thought I'd pick one that would probably, A, I wouldn't even watch, and also that would sort of drive me nuts. Like, so the reason I didn't like We Need to Talk About Kevin is because I spent the whole film wanting to scream at the mum and the dad, yeah, your kid's insane, and he's going to kill someone, so you maybe call the police right now. But they didn't. They just kept fucking blathering on. <laughs> slow pace, lingering shots. I'm like, you need to call the police right now because I'm pretty sure your son's going to kill quite a few people. He's clearly, like, mentally unwell. We need to sort this out. No, again, endless lingering shots of people not making the correct decision. <laughs> I'd love to make the first ever film with no peril. <laughs> Just a series of excellent choices. <laughs> like, like, like a couple who meet, they immediately get together, they love each other. An ex from the woman's past comes back at the front door, she just immediately says, no, go away. You never see him again. <laughs> they invest well. They buy a house. 
Um, it, the, the guy's friend from school who was always down on his luck comes with a scheme about like how he, he's got this, this farm he wants to start from scratch. He just needs $100,000. And this guy, he's only got $100,000 in his savings account. He says to his friend, no. <laughs> and the friend goes and you never see him again. And it's almost like, I could watch it in real time. Just them, over 60 years, getting old, making really good decisions, not driving when they're tired, getting their car serviced regularly, getting the boiler serviced, making sure that their sort of white goods were all working efficiently. And then they die peacefully. And you're like, that was the best 60-year film I've ever seen. John, as much as you would like to watch that film, you mm. don't get to. You get to watch Uncut Gems yeah. on repeat. Or, or not, but, I mean, that's your option. But, I mean, you do have another choice for entertainment, which, of course, is your song. What's your song going to be? Yeah, so... Um, the song I picked... This was very, very difficult, because there's an awful lot of music I don't like, but there's an awful lot of music I'm completely sort of ambivalent to. So I had to pick something that I think would actively make me uncomfortable and irritate me. So what I've picked is representative of a certain type of music that I have a name for. Um, the song I've picked is Josh Wink's Higher State of Consciousness. And the type of music it is representative of, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, is what I call chef music. <laughs> and it's the music that plays when the... Um, kitchen door in a restaurant swings open and you suddenly get a burst of the most appalling sound you've ever heard being played really loud. It's usually like drum and bass or drill and bass or like happy hardcore or something just so intense. And I am well aware that an awful lot of chefs, it's a brutal job, and they need to be, like, going and going and going. And who knows? Not to cast aspersions, maybe the guy on cocaine would like this song. <laughs> but, like, if you're working a 16-hour shift and you have got to get out breakfast, you've got to get out lunch, you've got to get out dinner, it's a very stressful atmosphere, you might need that kind of beats per minute to get you through the day. However, to me, if I walked into a place and it was playing that sort of music, it's like whatever natural rhythms are in my body and my mind and my heart and my soul, it is the opposite of all of those played in the wrong order too fast. So I would have to immediately leave. I would actually, and I have done this, if we go into a bar and it's that sort of, I'm just like, I can't. Because I can't think. I can't even string a sentence together in my head. So we're going to have to go now. I ruined your evening again because I also didn't watch that shit film you wanted to watch. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't know what type of music it is. I'd like to say it's rave music, but it's probably not. Does anyone know what you would call you, Josh Wink's high it techno? Techno. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like something awful. Well, look, John. <laughs> I mean, but that's I... not. I'm not like. If you like techno, your vibe is your tribe. But for me, it's like, it's just. It will, it's like saying, oh, we're just going to go to this um, bar. By the way, when you walk in, it's just full of hydrochloric acid. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I won't be doing that. 
what? Lame-o. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't have that. Well, I think that's a fair choice because I'm someone who likes electronic music. I do like that song. And I have even DJed that song at a party where, I mean, you know, people lost their shit. It was great. Yeah. But even though I think it's a stone-cold classic of the genre, if that was the only song I had to listen to on a desert island, yeah. it would be fucking horrendous. Like, of but course does, it would... But I mean... But isn't the song... Do you not find it sort of hits a lot of the keynotes of a panic attack? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to hold it up there with, you know, the great works by, you know... Like the Beatles, for instance, or no, but that's whatever. not but, what I'm not but saying. But I mean, it's like, I think, I it's think, n- it's not like it's. But I, but I don't understand what it is for, <laughs> and I don't understand. Like I know you've got to take like speed or ecstasy and go to a club to listen to it. For me, that's a flaw in the musicianship. <laughs> if you're like. No one sits down at like two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon as they're like cooking their roast potatoes and goes, oh, should we just listen to Josh Wink's Higher State of Consciousness? <laughs> like, you have to be off your head to, to really enjoy it, which I, I don't quite understand. Well, uh, uh, and it's not, not understanding is different from condemning. I just don't have a reference point for that experience. Well, the reason I think it's a good choice is because even if you like it, as you said, you wouldn't sit down on a Sunday afternoon and listen to it. And I think if I came round to, as, a, as a fan of the song, if I came round to someone's house for a roast and they stuck that on, I'd probably question their cooking methods. You know, I, I would wonder what was going on. I mean, I wouldn't take any salt, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, so that, you know, that speaks to, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you like it or not, it's inappropriate for your, your situation. And being stuck on an island, even as somebody, there's never going to be a point where I kind of think, do you know what, I'm just going to smash some Budweiser and put on Josh Wink for a minute. <laughs> Who's with me? NLP guy? Give him a slap, obviously. It just doesn't work. So it's a great choice whether you like it or not. You know, it still works. Cool, good. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> good choice. Good choice. Okay. Well, look, John, finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Dog. Dog. (laughs) Dog. Any type of dog. Fucking dog on the island. Dog on the island! Dog, get it away! (laughs) Fuck off! Even worse if it's the fucking lazy, faffer, dawdling guy's dog because he doesn't look after it he hasn't trained it he doesn't care he doesn't watch it where it's going I just loathe not dogs as individuals I like all living creatures and I can see dogs are very sweet very very um, very hard working and do some incredible stuff as we have discussed watching Border Force UK and Australia (laughs) There is nothing more incredible than watching a sniffer dog trained to sniff out cash going through the underside of e.g. a uh, uh, Volkswagen Polo <laughs> finding 200 grand. Suddenly questions are going to be asked. Have you, you haven't declared this money, what's it for? Well, I'm taking it back to my... No, 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 no. Love it. Love the, uh, the dogs they use to chase people on police interceptors, road wars, and... Um, uh, to a lesser extent, tra- traffic cops. Um, love a working dog. However, I live in a very 
doggy area and even with the best will in the world, even with the most considerate owners in the world, best case scenario, you are looking at a pavement full of smears. Mm. Yeah. And every single thing about dogs disgusts me. <laughs> I hate the smell of them. I hate the smell of their fur. I hate their saliva. I hate, I just, I hate the mud. I hate the chaos. I hate the lack of predictability. I hate the eagerness. I hate the fact they are fully driven by instincts and urges. I hate it when they just start fucking stuff. <laughs> I hate their emissions. I love them as individuals. But if there was a dog on the island, I would kill myself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I sort of think they're the animal equivalent of an NLP guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're like that constant need to be reaffirmed. No, 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 and... no, no, no. They're the, they're the animal equivalent of the cocaine guy. Because yeah. the NLP guy is trying to be in control. He's measured. Whereas the cocaine guy is like, let's do this, let's do this. No, we'll do this. Oh, I've had this amazing night. Let's do this. Let's go over there. I'm going over here now. Are you coming over here? I'm going over here. It's really great over here. I'm going back over there now. Oh, what's that? Oh, my God. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Can we all just sit in silence for a week? And think about what we're going to do in an orderly fashion, please. And that's where our old friend, the pussycat, comes in. Because then a lovely little pussycat comes on the island, and it comes and sits on your lap while you're having a very silent think. It might start to have a little bit of a purr. It might get up and move around and rearrange itself and sit back down again. And it might wander off in silence. <laughs> And its fur smells like heaven. <laughs> and you can give it a little stroke. I'm going, my, I'm going to my friend's house tonight, and she's just got two kittens today. And tonight is their first night in her house, and I am very lucky to be sleeping over on the sofa bed with the little kittens. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure as soon as I see them, I'm going to burst into tears. <laughs> because I love kittens, and it's been a rough year. <laughs> you rightly point out that dogs are very useful. They can sniff out cash, they can sniff out all manner of things. Some people say they can even sniff out cancer and all that. They, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They can lead the blind around. They're, they're amazing animals, but they haven't ever developed a theory of what to do with all the shit. You know, and it's like, you know, they've got the human, follows them around, picks it up. And I just think, when we all die, what's your fucking game plan? Like, what are you going to do with all the shit? Because at some point, the world's going to get full. And you think, well, it's going to take a while. But they're going to have thousands of years. And what are you going to do with the shit? There's, there's just no plan at all. Like, well, what? I mean, a very troubling thought were the human population to be wiped out instantly would be the sound of, of dogs locked in houses, starving to death because of how thick they are, while the cats just sort of pop out of the cat flaps and go, what's your problem? You know, they go and find a bird, eat it, continue. Dogs going, where's my help? Where's the help? End up getting stuck in a cat flap, best case scenario. I mean, it's a troubling vision. Uh, and, Apologies to any dog lovers um, who, who are troubled by that, but, I mean, we, we do sort of just sort of lock them in houses 
for most of their lives. Mm. Take me out for a couple of walks a day. <laughs> Not sure it would be much of a life for me. But then there's a guy who lives near me where he's got a sausage dog or a schnauzer. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I walked past his house one day. I think he lives on his own. And he was sat in the... There's a little sort of seat on his bay window where his dog always is. And he's had this sausage dog, sort of long brown-haired sausage dog in his arms and he's literally just kissing it on its head and it was one of the sweetest things this guy just spending some time with his sausage dog and I thought that is sweet but I bet that dog fucking stinks yeah, yeah. and I think as you know we're thinking of the worst animal you can have we're going to get an especially stinky also this island's overrun with them so uh you know, oh, so it's not just one dog? It's many dogs. Oh, that's... No, that you can't do that. Yeah. It's the how rules, far can, I'm afraid. How far can dogs swim? Depends on the breed, I think. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm no expert. I'm going to be making a Budweiser can raft. <laughs> and I will just float off the island. And, uh, and just say, bye, dogs. Yeah. Goodbye. Well, I think it's fair, because what you've done here tonight, John, is you've created a terrible environment filled with the worst people and things that you could possibly imagine. You've done a great job, because I wouldn't want to go there. Um, now, John, one thing that we used to do on this podcast, which we've let slide a bit, we've all let things slide, we used to do a, 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 a companion podcast called Compact Dicks, where the audience or the listeners used to get their say on who and what they thought were the worst people and things imaginable. Mm. And you people out there have on your table cards of uh, your suggestions, and there's a man over there who's collecting them now. So we're just going to have a little... You've got some, and he's going to get more. We're just going to have a little look at some of them and just give it, just have a little critique. Yeah, can I get another Guinness at all? Is that, would that be all right? Not, sure not, someone, that's not on you. Uh, I'm sure someone can sort you? that out, can't they? Oh, thank you very much. Okay, fine. Okay, well, uh, well I'll, I'll... Extraordinarily well, confident. I mean, they've really <laughs> written a lot on this, this one, so there you go. You have those... Jobs. I'm not... You've been talking throughout the whole show. I'm not reading your fucking things. <laughs> They're not, they're not even listening now, they're on their phone. <laughs> yeah, wait, we can have a few there as well. <laughs> okay. Do you want, do you want to go first? <laughs> Let me see some. Okay, well, you can go for it. Okay. Well, there's, a, there's a few choices on here. Oh, interesting, okay. interesting. What, what have you got? Um, anyone under the age of 25. <laughs> That's good. That is good. What, what, what's your thoughts? Um, no, I, w I think I would like to learn about youth culture. <laughs> I think I would sort of... Especially if they were like a teenager, I think I would, they, we would, it would be like Dangerous Minds. I'm Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, initially, we wouldn't get on, we'd rub, we'd rub up against each other, but not, obviously not in, in a sort of physical sense, um, uh, because we m maintain decency on the island. Um, but they would grow to have a grudging respect for my wisdom. 
once you'd fashioned a, a chair from sticks that you could put backwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. Um, the food-wise, they've said coriander. Mm, it's a love-it-or-hate-it thing. What it is, but apparently it's like um, the, your, your wee when you've eaten asparagus. So it's a similar thing, is that some, for some people, uh, coriander tastes like soap, like dish, dish washing up liquid, whereas for some people, I'm going to plead guilty to this, it tastes absolutely delicious. Wonderful. Um, but I think it's similar to the way that some people's wee either doesn't smell of asparagus or some people can't smell the asparagus on the wee. I'm not sure they've ever solved that problem. <laughs> um, ran out of funding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's a good one. John, I have one here. Uh, people who can't decide what to drink at bars. How do you feel about those people? People who can't decide what to drink at bars? Well, I have to admit, I've been one of those people, mm. especially if the bar is poorly stocked. <laughs> what I would maybe, as a little addendum to that, is people at either bars, tills, or at the front of queues, when it comes to paying for what they've bought, it's as if the concept of money has been thrust on them entirely recently. So, I mean, they would fall into the uh, sort of faffing dawdlers who take lots of time category, but people who are like, oh, that's, um, that's 12 past 50, please. And they're like, ah, right, okay. Well, now we will begin the process of extracting uh, my purse from my bag or my wallet from my pocket. This could take some time. And you're like, what have you been thinking about for the last five minutes? I'm good to go. I'm good to tap. I've got the exact change in my hand. And then they, oh, thank you very much. Cheers, ma'am. Um, uh, yeah, round of applause. And then they start counting out, like, coins, one by one. And then holding them to the person on the till, as if to go, what is this? Is this the right amount? And you're like, oh, mate. First to go in the zombie apocalypse. They're like faffing around with coins. Um, this one is someone that this person would hate to be stuck on a desert island with. The person who invented pulled pork and craft beer. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Um, I think pulled pork is maybe a little bit dominant mm. in certain sectors. Um, but I do like some craft beers, so I, I couldn't come down entirely on the side of that one. What have you got? I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because craft beers, I enjoy the beers, but I don't want to keep talking about it with the person. <laughs> you know? It's like, OK, we enjoy the drink. Can we just have a drink now? Yeah, I mean, it might make a good idea for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 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 so I, see, I, see, I see your point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... You don't talk about it too much. But, uh, <laughs> I think, I think okay, there is a mate. gap in the market. Hey, uh, Greg Wallace, brackets, fitness era. Well, I've got mixed feelings about Greg Wallace. I have got mixed feelings about Greg Wallace, and I'm going to say here, I have a real respect for people who are able to make garbage TV unmissable. <laughs> And Greg Wallace on Inside the Factory should get some kind of Emmy or a BAFTA because his ability to speak to someone with incredibly thick lensed glasses 
and a hairnet who by, by all accounts has never spoken out loud before as they pour grain into, from one bin into another bin. For, the way that Greg guides them through that interaction with just a warm but firm arm around the shoulder and then says, Are you telling me that if we took all the grain that you use in a year, it would spread across the earth a thousand times? And you're like, Greg, 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 speak me some more facts about quantities of grain. And then we'll go to Cherry Healy, uh, who will do a chat about different types of pasta, and then Dr. Ruth Goodman, who will tell us how people made stew in the 1500s. <laughs> and it's that they are the triple threat. Greg, Cherry, and Dr. Ruth Goodman. Um, so on that thing... Like, also, the way... I know it's, you know, this has been covered on social media quite a lot, but the way he eats from a spoon is captivating. <laughs> and that sauce is lovely! <laughs> and imagine if you met someone who talked like that in real life, like at a meal you were having, where they, like, tried a bit of pizza and they went, I anchovies on that are incredible! <laughs> Fucking hell, shut out, mate. I'm just trying to have a Pizza Express here. On the other hand, I, I, I have heard he's got a short temper. <laughs> but I read an article he did, an interview, I think it was in the Mirror or the Mail or something, where he was talking about, like... So he does... I don't think he... Either he doesn't live with his partner or he doesn't have friends round. And the thrust of it was like, he doesn't really stay over. He doesn't like having people to stay over. And they said, why? And he listed a number of things. And the last one was, and you can't go to the toilet loudly. <laughs> and I thought, do you know what? He's absolutely right. <laughs> that is the worst thing about people staying over in your house, is you're sort of like... I'm not, I'm not able to give it 100%. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I've lived alone for six years. There's a, a phenomenal amount of downsides to the situation, but one of them is complete toilet freedom. <laughs> well, let's end on a high note. John, it's been an absolute... an absolute pleasure having you on Desert Island today. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for having us. Thank you, everyone. It's been great Thank fun. you very much, Cheers. everybody. Love you, goodbye. There you go then, that was Desert Island Dicks live with John Robbins there, as recorded at the Bedford Pub in Balham as part of the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival on October the 6th in the year 2022. Uh, yeah, as I said, we're going to take a little break, but, you know, check out our back catalogue, like and subscribe, and, um, you know, if you subscribe, obviously, as soon as we do a new episode, it'll just pop back into your phone or wherever you listen, and um, that's the best way to keep up to date with us. Also, you can find us on social media at Dick's Pod. 
on Instagram and Twitter. They're the best ways to keep in touch as well. And um, I think that's about it. Special thanks, as always, goes to James Deacon, John Deacon, and everyone else that's helped out and listened over the years. Desert Island Dicks has been a sync clap production, and uh, we'll, we'll be back in touch soon. Cheers. Bye.